that his band would start playing, he'd come out butt naked, scream down the mic, squat and shit all over the floor. <laughs> And then start fights with people in the crowd. This so. podcast is really taking a turn with <laughs> shitting on the stage and sex toys. <laughs> it's all good. It's really not. So, hello everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy Tax Williams. Hello everybody. How are you, sir? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, mate. How are you doing? Good. We've had a busy, busy week, but we're here. We're potting. We're doing the right stuff. This week, we're doing AAW Pros Take No Prisoners from 2018. Um, do you know what AAW stands for? This is what was All-American Wrestling. Absolutely. So it's the 25th of May, 2018. It's the middle of the summer from uh, this year, last year? This year. This year. <laughs> <laughs> Had a moment, sorry. We're at the Logan Square Auditorium in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, we watched this on the On Demand Progress. Yeah, I watched this on the new Demand Progress app. Oh, as nice. Well. So, cool. Um, makes things a lot easier to navigate around on my phone rather than having to the sort of faff about up and use down the browser and such yeah, yeah so yeah. no it's it was a nice uh, nice thing obviously i watched mine over airplay as well onto my apple tv so nice it's good to good to get it on there at last it's really good to see that considering new japan don't have an app currently where you can watch new japan world it's nice to see that progress have got like that already advanced yeah i'd like to think that new japan would follow at some point with this absolutely i'd like to start this pod just by saying that progress has been really good to us they took us to Wembley and let us in backstage and do all the podcasts. Go listen to that. It's a few episodes ago. If you're listening to this now and you want to go check that out. Um, and so uh, we've signed up to Demand Progress. And this was on there as other companies. I didn't realize at first when I signed up, there was all these other companies on Demand Progress as well. There's AAW. And there's all sorts of stuff on there. We've got Lucha, uh, Lucha Forever, Defies on there. Absolutely. Um, Smash is on there as well. Loads of others. So if you listen to this and you want to check this out, uh, just go sign up. It's like oh, like seven quid or something ridiculously yeah, cheap. It's worth it for the amount of content you get. Absolutely. Like the WWE Network, you can cancel at any moment. Like There's four or five companies that you'd really, really enjoy. And I can highly recommend checking out some AAW just to see what it's like. So um, when we were scrolling through the Demand Progress app, we saw a uh this show i saw some wrestlers on there that i knew of but obviously i knew there would be some wrestlers i didn't know so it'd be a great opportunity to do it do you remember how you messaged me saying you selected this uh, i can't remember no. <laughs> you said you'd seen the the graphic obviously the it had penta on it. you were like it's got penta and it looks cool let's do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like it's a great way to select a show well i think so did you know much about aw prior to watching the show uh prior to watching it i thought i knew absolutely nothing after watching it, I realized I did know some bits in that Shakara have done shows at this venue with, and kind of in cohesion with AAW. Okay. So I knew a couple of the guys are on the show. I knew the venue, for example. Uh, but that's about it. I didn't really know anything more than that. So I didn't realize that when this promotion started, this was actually All-American Wrestling back from 2004. Um, changed their name or were known from 2007 to AAW. Okay. Four titles in the promotion. So you've got the AAW heavyweight title. You've got the heritage title, which is like their IC level belt, their next sort of their worker belt. Yep. You've got tag belts and you've got a women's championship. Um, yeah, I thought the layout of the show pretty good. Um We'll just get straight into it, I think. So the opening, we've got Tyler Voltz and Sarah Shockey in the ring. Sarah uh, Shouty. <laughs> they're very, very excited. Um, Tyler screams, oh, welcome to the Logan Square Auditorium. And he's like, oh, I love that. And you're like, uh, yeah, that's what you're meant to do when you welcome people like, to the venue and whatever. Like, yeah. At this stage, when both of these guys started talking, I thought, I really hope they're not our commentators. Yeah, I did have that feeling as well, but I had a feeling they might be. Um, I also found out that um, Sarah Shouty... Uh, was standing in for Marty DeRosa. Oh, really? So, uh, okay. I think as we go through, we'll we'll talk about the commentary, but I think yeah. the show had been a different level if Marty DeRosa had been on here rather than um, 
I'm a fan of Marty DeRose's commentary. I've seen him do yeah. some stuff at WrestleMania weekend that I really enjoyed. Was him that Excalibur? the $5 wrestling stuff as well? Have you seen him do I've seen him do $5 as well. As well. Yeah. We'll about it. It's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, I miss that company. I wish they'd come back. Um, but basically, these two people, they run down the card in the ring uh, and they say, this is AAW and this is Take No Prisoners. Did you also notice that uh, they'd mentioned just before the show, there'd been a brawl between Brody King and Sammy Callahan? Missed that completely. So before this show kicked off, so I assume, I don't think they've got a pre-show, but before they went live on their feed, okay. um, Brody King and Sammy Callahan basically tore shreds out of each other. Good to know. And that does come to fruition later in the night yeah. as well. So, so the opening montage is... is good it's not great it's not like uh wcw uh, sorry wcw <laughs> it's not wwe standard it's not ufc standard obviously and it's they haven't got anywhere that sort of very budget. very long yeah i thought it was quite long obviously the length of the song probably so they're just trying to fit it in but like you yeah. know fade out it'd be all right yeah but it's lots of clips cut together with a few cuts to black to try and make some emphasis there's no real music video production here which i'd like to see in an opening yeah. package but you know yeah. um grassroots punk rock sort of style like it's okay i don't hate it at all uh, their tagline here is pro wrestling redefined and um, it's it's it kind of sums up the product i guess to an extent but really, it should be pro wrestling. We do lots of spots. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't get over again. So for a new fan or someone who's not seen this before, they didn't get over that their rules are no count out, no DQ. Yeah, that comes in a lot later. They finally mentioned on commentary, like kind of three matches in, I think yeah. it is. Although, but, yeah. even though it's no count out, no DQ, there's still a five count on the ropes. Yeah. Interesting. I thought... Um, but it's redefined. So, yeah, exactly. I think the... Uh, I'm assuming who's the owner and commentator on this uh, is as a big ecw mark yeah definitely you could tell there's yeah. a lot of stylesisms. yeah very much so yeah and he refers to things in the way that ecw would have referred to them and such yeah. as well Tope Suicida! exactly yeah <laughs> so opening match is zima ion or djz as you might know him <laughs> <laughs> against trey miguel um i'm assuming you know djz is from impact and blah 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 Interestingly, because uh, I was watching some Impact after I watched this, Trey Miguel has actually I'm started sorry. appearing on Impact. <laughs> <laughs> Trey Miguel started appearing on said not great TV show of Impact. Okay. I heard it's got a lot better nowadays, but yeah. I haven't got time to watch that shit A anymore. lot of the people on this card appear now on Impact. Oh, okay. Interesting to know. Um, yeah, Trey Miguel. I had no idea who this dude was going into this match. Uh, I will certainly remember that name coming out of this match, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. So this is just a crazy spot fest, essentially. Um, immediately, uh, as, uh, we'll refer to him as Zima Ion because that's his name here. Uh, oh my god, what is this LED monstrosity he's got? Oh, it's mate. fucking incredible. Absolutely loved it. It's Absolutely like, loved it. It's like a, a, a American football shoulder pads, like the LOD used to have, with a big kind of mask, but like glowing LEDs that change colour and such. I'm like, oh, this is incredible. Absolutely beautiful. And I wonder as well, this is where Naomi nicked her gimmick from. Oh, you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was uh, a Session Moth Martina. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, with the nice. techno and the dancing and everything. Like, but she's just not drunk, <laughs> essentially, all the time. So... Uh, Zim Ryan's had a lot of unfortunate injuries over the last few years. He's been really badly hurt a couple yeah. of times, sort of raising funding through crowdfunding to get his surgery paid for. So it's really mm -hmm. good to see him back in the ring and just hasn't missed a beat, really, has he? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I was concerned for his career for quite a while, to be honest. Yeah. And it's lovely to see him back in the ring putting on crazy spot fest like this match, you know? Yeah, nice for an opening match to set the tone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Should we run through it a little <laughs> yeah, bit? Yeah, go for it. So we do indeed have Tyler Voltz and Sarah Shockley or Sarah, Sarah Shouty on commentary for this. Uh, I've literally just written, she's very shouty. Um, the two guys do absolutely crazy flip-de-doos. <laughs> like, I'm not even trying to call these spots mostly. Did you notice that the third row opposite the hard cam is almost completely empty? 
Yeah, that was odd. Yeah, considering the venue is pretty much sold out, you would have thought they'd prioritise opposite the hard cam. Yeah, I think it was 475 in attendance for this show. Yeah, that's pretty decent. And I'm assuming then the, the 25 people who weren't there were that hard cam seating row. It felt like it, yeah. It's very strange. I also wonder if that played into later in the card when there was a bit more going on on the hard cam that side. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, principle number one as a video producer, I'd want that the thing opposite the camera to look full of people to make sure the venue. Like, you know, there's a reason WWE if they if they don't sell out, they'll put everyone opposite the hard camera, and then the side that the hard camera's on will be empty. You know. Yeah, and then get all the seat fillers in as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Trey Miguel does a heel kick with the flat of his foot over his own shoulder that I mark out for amazingly. The flexibility on this dude. I was like, how did he do that? How? How much yoga has he done? It's like he traps the guy's head above his shoulder and kicks him behind him yeah, <laughs> into his face. Insane. Like, what? Like is that possible? Kick. <laughs> uh, is that his new gimmick? Like Trey Miguel, the flamingo wrestler? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> book, it, book it, someone. <laughs> oh, mate, it was absolutely incredible. Um, so we get Zima dives into the crowd from the top. Then it does this amazing spinny, what they call edgematic. It's like a ripcord X-factor sort of, I don't know how you do these moves. These are incredible. How would you even practice that? I have no idea. I guess you do the zip, the ripcord bit over and over and over again. Just hope that you land flat (laughs) because that spinny rotation. He's doing at least 720 degree spins here. Yeah, it's insane. Defying physics. It's absolutely incredible. So Zima backs down into the corner, calls for the DJ noise. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes for his finish. It's kind of like a roll through into a spike DDT sort of thing. Um, He doesn't get it. We get a 619 cheeky Nando's by Trey, which I think was (laughs) incredible as well. Uh, frog splash by Trey, reverse in mid-air into an inverted lung blower by Zima. At, at this stage, the commentary with all these spots going on, all I can think of is that Sarah Shouty is just a someone coming up extra, just going boom, she's going, oh, oh, <laughs> for the whole bloody thing. Yeah, there's a lot of that in this. Um, I thought the other guy was quite good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Tide of Volts, I quite warmed to yeah. as, as the card went on. I thought, you know, he's from Chicago. You could tell it's, it's very similar to... Um, I don't know if you know of Nick Hausman, who does a lot of the podcasts on Wrestling Inc. Can't say I do. Um, it's a very calm and informative, but as you said, a big fan. So similar to Joey Styles, he's into it, but he's not overly annoying. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I thought he was, yeah, that pretty much sums him up. I think him with Marty DeRosa would be really, really listenable. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So we get an avalanche run off the tibbity top by Zima Ion. They're literally both standing on the top rope. And like this spot is amazing to see but it ruins that illusion of this simulated fight yeah. because they're both kind of helping each other get up to the top and they're standing there for a good four or five seconds before anything happens um how do you feel about spots like this where they spend a lot of time getting there and kind of prepping each other and such i respect they've got to do it to stay safe hmm. as you said i think it takes away a lot from the story because if there was a lot of a scramble one trying to escape, one trying to pull someone up, and they st- if there's a struggle to get there, yeah. fine. But being on the top turnbuckle, you can't really struggle too much, can you? I feel like you could do spots like this where you both have to get up and still sell with your face as you're doing yeah. it. You know, be like, oh no, oh, what's happening? Oh my God! Like, and still be prepping each other and getting up there. You don't actually have to like, flail around or anything. But I think this is the reason which tells the difference between the um, essentially the cruisers who make it mm. to big TV companies and the cruisers who are currently in the indies because they can't. Maybe tell with their story you can see it now with ricochet because he was still quite good with selling um anyway but he wasn't there you can see already now in nxt he tells more story with his face yeah absolutely whereas these guys there was no story yep 100 i totally agree uh, we get a rolling into a DDT reversed into an o'connor roll by trey for the one two three and a quick pinfall for trey miguel over zima ion 
I thought having an Arcona roll to finish this after all the high spots was a really nice touch. Me too, yeah. That kind of like flash pinfall. Uh, this is his first victory, I believe, in AAW as well. Yeah. Zima at the end of the match is raises Tyler hand and walks to the back quickly while Trey looks shocked that he's won the match. Uh, I thought it was a brilliant way to do it. Like it's not standing there shaking hands, lifting each other's hands. It's kind of like out of out of um hmm shock. He's like, Oh, well done, kid, you beat me and he's off yeah. to the back straight away. You got the better for me, but that's the only time that's gonna happen. Uh, it was it wasn't a respect handshake, it was a case of yeah, all right. Yeah, as much, as, as much as we bitch about the whole handshake thing, this is fine. I'm not. I have no problem with this at all. Yeah. Um. I think, as I said earlier, I think we'll see a lot of Trey Miguel in the future. I think he'll. Um, um, I think he'll jump over to PWG, ROH, places like that, where we'll definitely start to see him getting more exposure. And um, do you think he has the potential to get to the big boys? Um. I think over time, yes. But mm. as we just said, he needs to sell more with his face. Yeah. Develop his character a bit as yeah. well. Yeah, I, I think, think so. if you want to get to like New Japan or WWE or something, you have to have a really solid character for them to write for and to book for. Yeah, because in Impact at the moment, he's just X-Division fodder. Okay. He's a spot guy. Okay, cool, cool. Right, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this opener. That was great fun. Like, um, It's incredibly spotty, but I mean, that's Indie what wrestling. they obviously want in this opening match at this point. Yeah. You know, the crowd are eating it up the whole way through. Yeah, yeah I liked it. Cool, cool. All right, so next up, we've got Fred Yehai against Eddie Kingston. Um, they call Yeehai the savage weight I'm like uh, Pete, Pete Dunne wants his gimmick back <laughs> yeah. um, Eddie almost immediately throws a non-folding chair into the ring and I'm like oh I love you Eddie Kingston yeah. your character is so well developed he knows exactly who he is what he's going to do how he's going to do it uh, Yeehai guy is developing he's obviously quite a young guy coming into the industry um, quite, a, quite a unique look yeah I thought I'd so say. as well like the bright yellow trunks and such yeah yeah, I thought it was good. Stood out, good physique. Yeah, for a, for a bigger lad as well. Moved both of them. I mean, we know Eddie Kingston can move in the ring, and he's a big boy. But sorry, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Considering the injuries Eddie Kingston's had as well. Yeah, like the fact that he can still go like this and can talk and can wrestle and can do strong style and he can do a bit of lucha here and there as well. Like, uh, he's, he's I think one of the most underrated guys on the wrestling scene in general. Did you pick up this was King Road style? <clears throat> in the beginning, uh, I didn't. To be totally honest, um. I thought that they were going for a slower style match yeah. than the opener. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, who couldn't? Who? Exactly, yeah. Any any other match apart from what they're going to do in the high spots craziness at the beginning. It was going to be a different style. Um, I think calling this King's Road is uh, generous. Yeah, I know I, you could tell they were going for something. Yeah, It's like, as um, sort of we alluded to on last week's pods when we spoke to uh, Mr. Wicked, mm-hmm. when you do something different, it's nice that people acknowledge it. Like you spotted that him and Will Power are going to be doing a World of Sport match. Yeah. Here, it wasn't... You could tell they're doing something different. It wasn't overly obvious what they were trying to do differently other than the fact it's slow pace. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it was definitely a change of pace, but I felt that that didn't last very long either. No, when we got into fighting through the crowd, chop battles. Yeah, it, it wasn't slow, like Kabashi Misawa style, like I'm going to hold your head down and one, two, three, forearm. You know, yeah. it was very much just let's just throw forearms at each other. Yeah. And I think, um, I'm going to be honest, I think Eddie Kingston's guilty of this a little bit. If he'd slowed down a little bit more, I think he'd have even more respect from the crowd, I guess. Yeah, I think so. The anticipation for the moves would have uh, built more had he taken like a couple of steps back in this. Yeah, but who the fuck am I to tell Eddie Kingston well, yeah. what to do? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was during this match that I started to find the commentary very distracting. I have some quotes from this commentary. Mm, so do I. Are they similes by any chance? Well, Sarah Shouty started by saying, uh, and this was during the chop battle, he's putting his pecs on the line after he almost died earlier in the match. <sighs> right, yeah. 
This fully shirtless man has just escaped another shirtless man. She was going on about them being shirtless a lot, which I was a bit like, uh, yeah, okay. And then, weird. and then there was another move when she shouted out, that was like the dubstep drop of a hot club track. So this is my point, right? The thing that I start to find really annoying about Sarah Shockey in this match. No, is that, shocking. Well, yeah. Is that she's looking for similes constantly. Okay. Yeah. So just in this match and the ones I noticed, remember I only noticed this halfway through the match that she was doing this. So I haven't written them all down. Whereas he's like a cat. He's like a murderer. He's like Scar from The Lion King. He's like a dubstep drop on a hot club track. And you're like, that's four similes about one man in, a, in like a 10 minute match. Like, Also, this isn't the first time during this card that she goes, someone's died. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, All right. So uh, let's talk about it. And in the, I think she has a lot of potential. Okay. And if you wrote down what you want a commentator to do, like especially a color commentator, you want them to be excited about the wrestling. You want them to have an idea of what's going on in the ring. You want them to look at massive, uh, what's it called when you exaggerate what you're trying to say? Well, it's just over-exaggeration. Exactly. You know, yeah. She's doing all those things. The problem is that she has an incredibly high-pitched tone of voice, which is kind of ear-piercing at times because she's polite. screaming down the mic. She's got a very annoying voice. It is very annoying. Yeah. I don't want to sound like a massive chauvinist as I'm saying it, though, but I can't say anything about she was really fucking annoying the whole time. Yeah, I don't think that's to do with gender because obviously we've seen male commentators do exactly the same thing and they're yeah. flipping annoying. Absolutely. I just found that my notes for this match, I took a lot of it writing down her quotes because I was so disgusted by it, rather than actually <laughs> writing down notes of the match. Yeah. And it, it's, it's the, again, like much like with last week, there's a thing where you just like, just breathe. Let the match do what it's doing. She's over-describing everything that's happening in the ring. Like someone throws a chop and she's like, oh, she threw a chop like he's going to kill her. His chest must be killing. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I emphasize what's going on, but let us watch the chop and appreciate what's happening then talk about it maybe i said i'm quite new into commentary but it's a case of you've got to give the action time to tell the story as well you need to cover it over so again for example if, it, if they're in a rest hold you're yeah. not just going to sit there for two minutes going <laughs> waiting for nothing to happen. yeah exactly <laughs> you're talking about the backstory but if there's a big exchange they're exchanging moves exchanging maneuvers obviously yeah. you're going to try and call things as you go but you don't want to call a two minute sequence start to finish because you take away from the guys in the ring absolutely yeah very much so so we get chops, headbutts, chokes, knee strikes, neck breakers, very King's Road, as you say. Um, Yehai hangs Kingston across the guardrail and jumps off the apron and double stomps him. Ow. Holy shit, that must have hurt. Even his landing back after doing the double stomp for Yehai, I was like, ouch. Yeah, these are not folding chairs at ringside either. These are like no. standard kind of dining chairs. <laughs> STR and Brainbuster by Eddie for two. Head to head, and they go to the forearm and chop exchange. You get a very kind of King's Road, competitive, strong style, fighting spirity kind of here. Uh, Eddie sells this exchange beautifully by dropping his straps and taking off his glove and going for the slaps and stuff. You're yeah. like, oh, I like this tension building. That was really cool. I also like the fact that, you know, oh, I'm a bit gassed. I haven't wrestled for a while. I'm just going to take a few minutes to take my shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he's going for, you reckon? That's what I do at work. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Koji Clutch by Yehai, a Dragon Sleeper by Yehai, Air Raid Crash by Yehai, uh, Eddie gets to the ropes after the Air Raid Crash, uh, Rana and Double Backdrop by Eddie, uh, Lariator by Kingston gets two. That was huge as well, wasn't it? He hits him so well, didn't he? Eddie's Lariat is beautiful, but it looks like it wouldn't actually hurt too much to take it either, because the way he throws it, he throws it right above your shoulder. Yeah. He doesn't throw it like Stan Hansen, where his hand's connecting with your face. <laughs> <you know? laughs> like, uh, Eddie's, Eddie seems like a, a really quality 
worker. Yeah, definitely, I agree. Yeah, it seems like you could go a long feud with him and have like strong style, stiff looking matches and come out of it relatively unscathed. And the good thing as well about Eddie Kingston is, you know, this style suits him, but he can do pretty much everything, I'd say, outside of like a spot fest from the beginning and he'd still give it a good go. Yeah, absolutely. When he was having his like really good run as the Shikara Grand Champion, because he was the first Grand Champion for Shikara. Um, he would have the occasional match where he started to throw in lucha spots and stuff. And you could see him kind of like throwing his hands up and be like, I'm trying, fuck off. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, yeah. It's absolutely legend. I love this boy. Uh, so again, we get chops, double stomps, back fist, slaps, back fist, back fist. And Yehai finally goes down for the one, two, three. Eddie Kingston is your yeah. winner. Double spinning back fist to the future for the win. Absolutely, man. Uh, standing ovation from the crowd. I think they really appreciated this match. Uh, I think they were still hyped up from the first match as well. So bringing in this style of match, I think was a great idea. Yeah. I would have liked them to have a bit more of a slow build. I think, though, if it was a bit slow, they would have run out of the time because this was 16 Maybe. minutes and six seconds okay. in total. So yeah. I think for how many... I mean, they were nine matches on the card. You're looking at about 10 minutes a match really as a as a goal. So yeah. doubling up outside of a t- uh, near main event match. The one thing I've written here in the heat of watching this is this is the second match. Slow the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. like, calm down. We're getting there. Like, let's not burn out the crowd. But I'm going to be honest, that was a bit of a spoiler maybe for the rest of this card, but they don't really burn out the crowd. No, not like, at all. Like the main event is a little wafty, but the crowd are hyped the whole time. This is the middle of May in Chicago. It's probably boiling hot. And what's really nice as well, even you could tell early on, nice fans Boo the baddies, cheer the goodies, mostly, appreciate the wrestling. Mostly, yeah, yeah. You don't have what I consider at the moment smart mark crowds. Again, is Chicago the best wrestling crowd in the world? It's been said often. I think London's better, but Chicago's right up there. Yeah, Chicago, New York, London. Yeah, you think? I think so. In that order? Oh, no, I, I think it's difficult to split them sometimes. I think London, Chicago, New York, in that order. I think the problem with London crowds now is they know they're good. So they're starting to buy into their own BS a bit more. Well, that's a fair point. Yeah. So the London crowds are always into it. But also, if you think that London crowds are really good when you've got one WWE event a year, and it was either the Hallam in Sheffield, and then very rarely they'd come down to London and do it at Wembley. Yeah, true. Now you're getting two Raws, two Smackdowns, house show tour, NXT tour. The fans are getting themselves over. Let's put it this way. Big London crowds are the best. Hello, Wembley. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer like a 4,000 UK London crowd to a... Uh, 700 London crowd where it gets a bit smarky. Yeah, definitely. I'm not going to throw names, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so Eddie post-match uh, cuts a promo, putting over Yehai big time and talks about the AW- AJWP. I can't say these letters. All Japan Pro Wrestling King's Road style match they just had. Um, and yeah, I think, I think you know, it's all right. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's a quality match. I really enjoyed it. On any other show that has, you know, less quality indie spot fests, this would be the match of the night. Yeah, I'd agree. I like the fact as well that his comments at the end is, if any promoter doesn't book them, this guy, you're an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really so, putting them over. Yeah, in a big way. Absolutely. So we get a, we cut to backstage, we get a promo from Trey Miguel, who was in the match before this one, uh, getting over his first one-on-one victory. Uh, he's very shouty and obviously quite new to this, but he does a good job. My favourite part of this promo, so he says he's going to go after Trevor Lee to go after the Heritage title. Okay. And then backstage, like a voice off camera just goes, yeah, you got top shot. It's like, have I? <laughs> <laughs> I quite liked how uh, what was seemingly the promoter or cameraman or producer or whatever is talking to these people as they're cutting promos. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, when TNA first did their backstage promos, and they would use a wobbly handheld camera yeah. and make it feel like you know, they just kind of captured the moment as it was happening rather than it was a setup thing like WWE kind of do. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, they're definitely going for this style of production. And I really, I really enjoyed it. It works. I like it. It works Absolutely. this style. Absolutely, dude. 
So next up, we've got a six-man tag team match of Ace Romero, Paco, and Stephen Wolfe versus Connor Braxton, Kurt Stallion, and Jake Something. Now, when I read sort of the lineup of this card and saw Jake Something, I thought, well, someone doesn't know his surname. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the point, maybe. Like, oh, it's Jake Something. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, excellent. As uh, we're told on commentary that this is the funnest entrance in AAW. Doesn't bode well for fun. <laughs> but do you think uh, the Jake Something name is overthought? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just someone's thought about that way too much. They spent like, you know, a couple of months going, oh, what's my last name going to be? How am I going to do it? Uh, Jake Something. Oh, Jake Something. That's great. <laughs> like, nah, dude, come on. <laughs> and again, Stephen Wolf. I'm the leader of the Wolf Pack. Mm. Kevin Nash wants his check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, immediately a cowboy walks out of the curtain and tells us to get the fuck up. And you're like, oh, it's Fred Durst. <laughs> <laughs> and then the music cuts in. So then we get an 80s classic, uh, Your Love by the Outfield Plays, Beastly Song. Um, and uh, basically, as soon as the faces work out, you're like, that is a big, big fella. Yeah, Ace Romero. Mm. Big boy. Looked a little bit from the first glance, I thought, hey, looks like Bill DeMott's son. <laughs> oh, yeah, like a bigger Bill DeMott yeah. almost. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so at this point, I've written, Sarah Shockey has become so annoying that if we weren't doing this pod, I would stop watching this. <laughs> Her best and, quite... the rest, and the wrestling is bloody great. <laughs> Her best quote in this match, when they start getting chairs involved, I've never seen a chair like that. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> At the start of this match, um, Braxton faux jizzes over Paco. Does he? He sits there and goes... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed that completely. Oh, That's my man. move. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get an amazing Sabu-style chair throw by Kurt Stallion at Paco. Did you catch this? Yeah, nice. <laughs> it was like, he threw a chair at him, just kind of, I think, as to kind of hit him in the chest, but it cleaned just like, whoa, across his head. And you're like, oh, he sabooed him. That was awesome. Uh, we get a spicy hot tag to Ace Romero. Uh, Ace Romero dives to the outside the uh the top rope plancher was lovely i put kind of he dives slash rolls slash then kind of falls over the top rope onto the crowd of people i like the fact that the, after the uh the roly-poly fall over the top rope the, we get a nice holy s chant from the crowd afterwards Absolutely, yeah. Like, yeah nice one but he's he's like to put, to put over his size if you don't know who ace Romero is he's he's definitely plus 300 I'd say even plus four. I was going to say, is he plus four? He must be plus 400. Yeah, so for him to be doing a top rope in inverted common plancher across the top rope is pretty impressive. Cardio strong as well. Yeah. He went for it for the whole bloody match when Absolutely. he was in that ring. I thought he was going to blow up much sooner than this, yeah. and he didn't, and he's got no. a lot of potential to do. Yeah, like. I'd say so. He's got an, in, he's got an interesting look. He's yeah. got a good in-ring style. And, you know, who doesn't like that top rope dive? I'm intrigued to see how long a guy like that, uh, how long his knees can carry that weight. Yeah, I mean, you've seen how long Mastiff's done it, though. Yeah. And Mastiff wrestles Mastiff's, a similar style, would I you think say? he's smaller and more athletic, though. Um, de- Mastiff's definitely more athletic yeah, than Romero. Absolutely. And you look at the size of um, Mastiff's legs, and it's pure muscle. You know True. what I mean? Like, Romero, he's, there's a lot of fat there. Yeah, I get the impression, again, definitely pot kettle black moment here. I can't imagine he does much work in... A cardio sense for a gym. <laughs> his jaw does tons of cardio. <laughs> like, uh, not his body. Yeah, absolutely. Snap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. So Jake something shouts, what's my name? And then moonsaults off spiky ring post bit. Do you catch this? Like yeah. how the ring posts have got like the, the brackets that the, the buckles are attached to. Then on the outside of the post, they've got Little more points. brackets. Like, do you, have you ever seen this before? No, not before. 
Is it so that you can turn the post around and have two ropes? I noticed there was only two brackets on the far side. I'm not sure, but I, I did notice that it gave, in a, in a later match, an opportunity to fling yourself off it. Yeah, that's what like, Jake did on yeah. this one. He literally like chucked his foot on and then moonsighted off that spiky thing. So either it's... I mean, I can't imagine it's there by design just for high spots. I was wondering. I thought this would be really dangerous. Yeah, You've got there, spikes on the outside of the ring post. That you seems... have a lot of margin for error here, don't you? Yeah, like if you trip and fall, like when these lucha guys, especially like scrape your back down one of those, like oh no, thank you, no. I don't want that at all. Like, can we just like you know chop them off maybe? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe put like AW. foam foam cones over the top of exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Maybe put some foam hands, sell them at the gimmick stand. <laughs> <laughs> that look amazing. <laughs> just like four ring posts and like foam hands sticking out from them. Switching like fireworks. Th- thumbs up, make thumbs it, down. Make it more dangerous. <laughs> fireworks <laughs> and barbed wire. That'd be great. Terry Funk will be all over that. <laughs> <laughs> so we get, uh, we're left with Connor Braxton and Ace Romero in the ring. Uh, Braxton pulls the ref in front of him. Uh, slaps and Braxton scoop slams day. A huge Ace Romero. Very, very impressive. Everyone gets a spot. I'm, I assume that's everyone hits their finishes at this stage, don't uh, they? I think that's what it was. But like, every, there's always a moment in these six-man tags where everyone gets a spot and we yeah. get a standing ovation. Uh, I say standing ovation. You know what I mean. <laughs> everyone claps a bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stevens does a 619 to no one. Booyaka. Completely just, there's no one on the road who just does a 619. I think he's doing to build up like a rebound lariat. Yeah. But he does the 619 to no one. Uh, gets, but, uh, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't go over how funny this looked. <laughs> it's like he just went for a 619. I was like, there's no one on the ropes, dude. What are you doing? Basically, what happened here is someone ba- uh, wrote down the match and they're like, okay, well, you do a 619 here. And someone ribbed him. He's like, just standing away. Just and he do, just follows every it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, gets black hole slammed by Jake something for the one, two, three. And your winners are Connor Braxton, Kirk Stallion, and Jake something. Uh, the commentators put over Jake something is unbeaten in AAW currently. Um, all right, six-man tag, pretty standard for most indie shows. Yeah. Again, at this stage, no rules have been explained of no count out, no DQ. So at this yeah. stage, what I wrote my notes are, what are the rules? Yeah, absolutely. Totally, yeah. Um, I quite liked how the three heel guys all looked kind of similar. They all had quite long hair, the kind of cowboy-esque gimmicks with black trunks, and all the faces didn't look like them. They had, like, you know, massive dudes, uh, bright red trunks, blah, 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 blah. Nice and easy to tell the difference between the two. Yeah. I haven't seen much of Paco before, but the kid can sell. Yeah, I think he's. Um, I don't think. I don't, um, yeah, I can't see him going particularly far unless he's got a really good mouth on him. No, I. I think he's an. He's a definite enhancement talent who can work, but he yep. can also make. I mean, the big boys hit him with moves, but the way he sold it looked like they were just collapsing him inside out. Absolutely, they? I think he did a great job, and commentary put, uh, did a really good job of. Well, I say he's a really good job. They did a good job of putting <laughs> putting over the fact that he was like the young scrappy underdog that they all love and they all want to be a part of. And everything, yeah. You know? Yeah. Had all the action, didn't die down, and as we said already, crowd really into it still. Yep, yep, still hot. I was, was yeah. surprised, particularly honestly. You would have thought the crowd died down a little bit, but Chicago seems up for this. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. So next match we've got is Brody King, who had the brawl with Sammy Callahan earlier in the night, against Darby Allen, debuting at AAW. Oh, okay, right. So I, I wrote on. here that uh, Darby Allen looks across between Vam- Old Vampiro, Sting. Meathead and Cara Noir. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it's only later in the match when I realise his hair seems to have like a white stripe down it, so it looks like a skunk. Oh, nice. Cool, cool. Do you know who Gigi Allen is? No. Okay, so Gigi Allen was a guy on the Californian punk scene. Okay, I think Californian. Don't quote me on that one. I'm pretty sure it is. That I first learnt about when I heard Fat Mike from No Effects. This is uh, 
music reference for those young boys that don't understand <laughs> punk what, rock from the 90s. What's a no effects? <laughs> exactly. He, <laughs> um, uh, in an interview, Mike, Fat Mike was talking about this guy called Gigi Allen, how they used to go to shows when they were kids. And this, this fat guy would come out with a micro penis. So his penis is literally less than an inch, like butt naked, with his band would start playing. He'd come out butt naked, scream down the mic, squat and shit all over the floor. <laughs> And then start fights with people in the crowd. Gigi Allen is like the the most extreme, violent, horrible punk singer you've ever seen enough in your life. Okay, he was a massive heroin addict. Like he had loads and loads of problems. But like, if you're bored, Google Gigi Allen and just learn because it is astonishingly insane. I mean, I don't know how he does it because even if I'm in public losing, I need a poo. It takes me ages. I need people to need to clear out to so go and poo on stage in front of loads of people. I did not expect to be talking about this on the. I know, because but it, that's where he got the. It must be where he's got the name from. His name's Darby Allen, spelt the same and everything. It's like it has to be Gigi Allen, or he's uh, he's a precursor to All In. Yeah, but the, the thing about how he how he wrestles and stuff, he's like completely reckless and everything yeah. else. Like he's definitely a Gigi Allen fan. Yeah, <laughs> like, liked his cut off shorts with black tights underneath it as well. Guess he wore cut off shorts a lot. Well, I think there you go. You've just, <laughs> you've just confirmed your thought. Right, so we get a top rope springboard arm drag by Darby Allen. That I thought was absolutely awesome. Um, get like he starts to do these what they call trust falls, but I'm going to refer to as the stage dive. Yeah, like by headbangers. Remember they used to do this. Oh yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, this is one of three that he goes for in this match. Uh, by the time he got to number three, I was like, just stop. (laughs) It's like his go-to move, obviously. But I like the fact how they they mixed it up. So I think was it the second one that he got caught? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, nicely done. Slammed on the floor and stuff. Yeah, Yeah, it was really cool. You know, at least he knows you can trust him. Yeah. So we get a power bomb on the edge of the ring, and I'm like, oh, please stop doing that now what can you tell me about that part of the ring i'm pretty sure it's the hardest part of the ring that's what i've heard too. <laughs> <laughs> so tyler volts then explains at this point that it's no dq no count out here at aaw and one finally like oh that makes sense my notes there so it confirms it's no dq no count out and then oh this explains a lot yeah, yeah absolutely so Alan slaps Brody and Brody gives him a brutal looking power bomb where he kind of folds him from his neck down to his like crotch or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh my god, that Proper was so Proper at him, didn't he? Yeah, brutal. So Tyler Volt says to Sarah Shockley at this point, you're pretty good at this. And she goes, thanks, I just wanted to be here. Fucking lies. You're not very good at this. You're terrible at this. <laughs> but yeah, there's no dying she wanted to be there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that I pretty much summed it up for me at this point yeah. with her commentary. It was just disastrous. Yeah, it was... I get the impression she was standing and she was maybe putting too much effort in, like you said earlier. Yep. She really wanted to do well, but through nerves, she over-egged it and over excitement. Because at no point during this entire card did she sound like she was thinking anything through or trying to explain things. It was always 100 miles now. Sometimes you can really understand her. And then she shouted very loudly. Yeah, and I was like, oh, oh. <gasps> in the background is like the other guy's trying to talk and you're like oh come on man just like turn away from the mic for a second you know yeah, someone stuck a rabbit up her ass <laughs> okay cool cool show me this okay, so Darby Allen well uh, okay sorry other sex toys are available <laughs> <laughs> did you call a rabbit a sex toy the well, rabbit rabbit yeah indeed yeah okay <laughs> this, this <laughs> podcast is really taking a turn with <laughs> shitting on the stage and sex toys <laughs> it's all good it's really not so Brody King goes after Darby and Darby's like ah and starts hitting himself and I'm like oh this is brilliant he wants the punishment he loves it uh, they did this amazing 720 spinny springboard splash thing like he springboards off the top rope does a massive spin and then lands on him I was like how do you manage this this is cool this is awesome 
Uh, he then grabs Brody's hand, lays it on the floor, and starts punching it. Yeah, <laughs> really nice. <laughs> so really good. nice. Uh, you get a Yoshi tonic for two, and the crowd are really getting into it at this point. You get a buckle bomb, and then the fire thunder driver, which is a razor's, e- razor's edge pile driver by Brody. I- I've never seen this before. No, it looks like um, sort of an over-the-shoulder pile driver sort of thing, wasn't it? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So he's holding him in the razor's edge position, picks him up, and just pile drives him straight back down. I was like, oh, that's killer. Really, really good finish. For the one, two, three. And your winner is Brody King. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. I like the story. The plucky underdog, a kind of like reckless abandonment against the big bruiser monster sort of character. Yeah, I always like speed versus strength, size versus, you know, David versus Goliath sort of battles. Yeah. So it can get a little cliched at times, but this didn't feel like that. It felt very unique and special. Yeah. And it didn't feel at any stage. Obviously, you had um, Darby Allen as the underdog as such, but at no point was he really outclassed. Nope, definitely not. He was going for every step. He wasn't selling, overselling too much as well. And I think that's a good thing, again, about this card on a whole so far as we see going on. No one's booked weak. Everyone's booked strong. Everyone gets their spots in. And also, more importantly, logical. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you think of Brody King? First time seeing him? First time seeing him. Me too. Really good look. Big mm. boy. Like six foot five, I think they were saying in the commentary. Tatted up, like strong, yeah. good style. Yeah. Intimidating. Easy to be, easy to dislike as a heel. But mm-hmm. he's the sort of person you can imagine as a face run. He's like, he could be the cool, badass, take no prisoners, just run through people sort Absolutely. of thing. A lot of potential. Yeah, huge upside to this guy. Again, another guy on this card that I think we might be seeing a lot of in the future, especially on the American indie scene. Yeah, uh, obviously just through saying Brody, it reminded me of someone of that size who can move around Brody Lee. Yeah, absolutely. Or uh, Bruiser Brody. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But, you know, <laughs> I thought you were going to say Bruiser. That's so I was like, wait, hey, hey, what? No. The other one. <laughs> Brody Lee. Uh, so we, next up, we've got the killer cult of Dave Chris, Jake Chris, and Sammy Callahan against the rascals of Desmond Xavier and Zachary Vents and their tag team partner, Shane Strickland. Xavier does uh, sexy dancing to Strickland's entrance music, <laughs> which is a Ain't nobody ding, 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 love me better. Best pop of the night so far at this stage. Yeah, that, that was awesome. That was really funny. When uh, Sammy Callahan's lot come out with the Chris, uh, my immediate thought is, when did Sammy Callahan join the Shield? Yeah, that's exactly what I wrote. I think everyone thought the same thing. He comes out with this flat jacket on. Every time I see Sammy Callahan as well, I think man with small man syndrome. Uh, but would scare the shit out of me. There's lots of bits I love about Sammy Callahan and some bits I really don't like. I feel like he doesn't think things through ever. No. I think it's just like, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. It's great. And then, which is kind of endearing. But at the same time, it's like, oh, come on. Like, you could just be that little bit more special if you just took your time and processed this bit or blah, blah, blah. That's what ruined him in XT as Solomon Crow. Yeah. He mm. was too gung-ho. He okay. wasn't open to change. It had to be his way or the highway. And obviously, Uncle Paul turned around and went, all right, off you go. <laughs> Good yeah, luck. Yeah. And he's done well. In fairness to Sammy Callahan, his profile on the Indies has raised hugely. I'd say in the States, he's on a level that Havoc would be over here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think he's more talented than Havoc, to be totally honest as well. So uh, we've got Strickland and Sammy Callahan to start. They get face-to-face. They start face-palming each other, and it gets really scrappy really early. We've got all six men in the ring. They're shoving each other, and we're off. Big, big brawl to start with. Um, we've got Sarah Shockley over explains everything at this point uh, and I've literally written we have eyes we can see what is happening please stop just <laughs> telling us every little thing everyone does dives and fights on the outside Xavier does the Sasuke special which I'm a huge fan of I just would love to see one of these in every match to be totally honest um, there's another quote here from uh, Sarah Shockley this is called take no prisoners I think Sammy Callahan wants to take all the prisoners I don't think you get the understanding of take no prisoners is that you know I'm going to kill you <laughs> is the idea I mean, maybe he's trying to take them all. 
Oh, it's so strange. Uh, we get a massive Tower of Doom spot where Jake Chris powerbombs the guy at the top of the pyramid. That was really cool at the end. That was amazing. Yeah. Like, Jake Chris is waiting there for the Tower of Doom spot and as they fall, he catches his legs and powerbombs him. Like, really oh, nice. Jesus Christ. Uh, top rope springboard cut up by Zachary Rents. Too much sauce. <laughs> is that what the move's yeah. called? Okay. This is obviously a bit of a theme of this promotion. A lot of people are jumping up to the top rope, yeah. springboarding yeah. off it and doing a move. But then the best springboard move of the night comes mm. after this. Well, we get a funk style uh, pile driver by Sammy Callahan Strickland. Everyone gets a spot. This is the part when we essentially have two towels like you're fighting a swimming pool. Yeah, chicken fight is what I'm Yeah, chicken fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chicken fight cutter, essentially. Yeah, yeah. What they call killers take over everything. Yeah. I'd never seen this move before, even though I've seen these guys wrestle quite a yeah. lot because they're all across the Indies at the moment. And TNA, I believe. Yeah, as uh, OVE. Ohio versus everybody. Oh, nice. Cool, cool. Awesome. And they do the chicken fight cutter, which is just so cool, where like he's sitting, um, how to describe it? So Callahan's got Jake, Jake Christ Christ on, the on his shoulders, and Dave Christ has Strickland, Strickland on top of the other. On top of his shoulders, and they both push each of the guys off of the top, and Jake catches uh, Strickland in the cutter. Yeah, and drops yeah. down. It's like, oh, the timing on this. That's very impressive. Vince jumps off the top rope, and Jake Chris cuts him off with a mid air cutter. Like, oh, you could tell something was going to happen here, can you? Because they deliberately didn't show Jake Christ on his top rope. Is that where he came off? Because I was going to say that that if if he came off the top rope, I would have liked them almost to have shown it because then we could have seen the spot happening. No, that's where he came from. So he climbed up the top. This is the spot I was talking about. So he climbed the top rope, and it's Wentz, wasn't it, on the other side of the ring? Yep. Wentz went off the top rope uh, on one side of the ring. Jake Chris went off the other side and caught him midair with a cutter. They both jumped off at the same time. That's what I assumed happened, but I wasn't yeah. sure. Like that was fucking awesome. That was really really cool. And then we get the JML driver by Strickland, which is like a big assisted moonsault thing as well. Not to be confused, the company who sell like steamer mops. I was gonna say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the one, two, three, and the winners are the Rascals. So Desmond Xavier and Zachary Vents and Shane Strickland. Yeah, because that was then the assisted, um, the assisted moonsault to get the pin, wasn't it? For that yeah, one. yeah, pretty cool. Like a bit of a weird spot to end it on, considering all the crazy stuff that's happened. But it's a nice thing again, as we said, like in the opener, you've got all the high spots you finish with an Oconnor roll. So and then a standing moonsault to finish, very nice. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I felt a bit underwhelming, to be totally honest. Like, I, again, I think maybe if they thought this through a little bit more, they'll have a bit more impactful finish, maybe? Oh, impact. Yeah. Uh, so we get a bit of... I thought this match was a bit messy, but it was a really, really fun spot fest. Obviously, building up a lot of tension between these two factions, like kind of Dragon Gate-esque faction warfare. Yeah, definitely. Um, OV or the Killer Cult, they're called in um, AAW. Yeah. They're doing the indies as their trio now. It's helped elevate Dave and Jake Christ in TNA in yeah. Impact Wrestling. And they're a really good tag. Now yeah. they've dropped... I don't know if you saw an Impact or if they did it on the Indies before. They had like the, uh, the spitting image masks coming down as well when they came out to the ring. Mm. They used to wear big masks, which made them look like they've got elongated like Scream or... Can't say I've seen them. Yeah. Now they've dropped that. They're a bit more serious. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, I always liked them, guy. Were they Irish Airborne back in the day for yeah. ROH? Yeah. yeah. I used to even like them back then. I always thought they were... Um, quality but never like standouts you know and they seem to have found a really nice position on the card a lot of the people on the indies say that dave chris is one of the best workers on the indies cool cool and that's you know and he's in a tag so that's not being disrespectful to team wrestling but if you've got someone who is that talented yeah you can imagine the future that if dave chris is as good as people think they are he's got again big upside to him I always compared them to like um, a modern strong style kind of hardy boys yeah definitely you know yeah Hmm. it does it um then we get a very so basically yeah I really enjoyed this match thought it was good 
Uh, I enjoyed most of these matches. It's a bit, maybe not the interesting pod when I'm just like, yeah, everything's good. <laughs> like, <But laughs> I, I think it was nice because it was an introduction to some wrestlers we'd not seen before. Yeah. Mixed in with wrestlers true. that we were either familiar with or had a lot of experience with going through. But next is the reason sometimes I hate indie wrestling promos. We've got a very short backstage promo. Well, that's it. That is the backstage promo. Oh, okay. Is this what you're talking about? I thought you were going to talk about the next episode. No, go no. On, we've go got on. Stallion, Braxton, and something just standing there. It's pointless. Yeah. It's a waste of time. Doesn't get anything over. Doesn't get themselves over. You've just wasted two minutes of my life and probably a lot more of your own. I would have cut this. Yeah. This would, shouldn't, this shouldn't have. Yeah. Absolutely. Waste of time. So, I'm assuming this is where the intermission is on the show, because we come back to Jimmy Jacobs yeah! in the ring cutting a promo. Really? Nice man purse. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I'm interested in. I've got no problem with the purse. I'm just not a big Jimmy Jacobs, Mark, really. No, I, the first experience I had of Jacobs in the ring was Joe versus Kabashi. Yeah. Uh, and even then, I was a bit like, eh, I don't yeah. see what the hype is. I think he's got, he's got a good promo. I think he's often a bit too Russo-esque. Yeah, well, as as we saw when he got into saying like <laughs> Ruby Bryant, you're you can thank me. You're lucky that you've got this job in WWE. Tyler Black, you're lucky I got you into Ring of Honor, and then you became Seth Rollins and became a millionaire. Jericho, yeah. you're lucky I invented the list and you didn't book me on your cruise. Young Bucks, you got me fired and you didn't even put me on your show. He's semi shooting here, and it's partly true. But unfortunately, yep. if you look down that list of people, Ruby Bryant's very very good. Tyler Black is outstanding. Jericho. Is Hall Jericho. of Famer, yeah, yeah. Young Bucks, very good. Jimmy Jacobs, nobody. Well, maybe nobody's a little harsh, but I know what you're getting at here. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing I'd immediately notice is most of the front three rows opposite the hard cam are completely empty. They've obviously gone for a piss break at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, can we just cut to a different camera, please? Like, There's other people sitting on the other side of the stage. And then he just jumps out of the ring. That's about it, really. He wrestles a fan at ringside for his beer. He won't let go of it, <laughs> rightly so. Yeah. Fuck you, I paid for this beer. So then we get an impromptu AAW Tag Team Championship match of the besties in the world, Davey Vega and Matt Fitchip, against Colt Cabana and Juice Robinson, who are called Boom Juice. Who's in the corner, though, of besties in the world? Well, let's get there. So Savage Garden truly madly plays. And I'm like, oh, oh. my God, this is the best entrance music ever. I, I want to stand <laughs> with you unmelted. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Again, music licensing. We need it in pro wrestling. Yeah, and Savage Garden need the money. <laughs> they probably do at this point. So um, the note I've written, I'll just read it as I've written it, is who is this amazingly beautiful woman accompanying besties in the world? Aren't me, Scarlet Bordeaux. Jesus Christ, yeah. Like, I have a type and she is that type. <laughs> Man, she she's is, money, like, isn't she? Yeah, absolutely. It's a shame TNA have signed her. <laughs> uh, she properly signed to TNA now. Yeah, she's well, obviously impacts. She's well, obviously allowed to work indie still because you see these impact guys everywhere. Yeah, but I think she could do better things. Yeah, maybe with time. Like, like, I know be she did, my wife. She, yeah, <laughs> she did a WWE dark match, I think. Um, okay, there's a few WWE links to her as well, so I wonder whether she'll end up there eventually. But um, maybe she's uh, well, she doesn't need to be stick thin really for WWE anymore, do they? No. Oh, she, yeah, I think she's got the, the the figure that back in the day WWE would be in the case of, and wrongly You're so. You're not anorexic, and you haven't got massive fake boobs. Like, yeah. you know, Get like, out. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Whereas but now, like, they're beyond that at this point. Yeah. yeah. Cabana chats with a drunk guy at ringside on his entrance, which I thought was fucking great. Just like really casual. It's obviously just down the road from his house. He's like, hey, local promotion. Cycle to the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Juice comes out. Uh, so Juice Robinson is fast this year become one of my favorite guys on 
in wrestling in general. Like, I'm a big New Japan mark, as we all know. Well, I was going to say, because he's really come into his own New Japan the last sort of 12, 18 months, I'd say. Yeah. A lot more prominent, got over his character, found his character yep. a lot more. Had a really good G1 with a good story, had a broken hand the whole way through. So it was easy to take losses, but then started to come back. And as that hand started to heal, he started to be able to use it more. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's simple storytelling. Yeah. But it's nice with uh, someone like Juice Robinson, who's got such a flamboyant character who can then tell those serious stories. Mm-hmm. And again, it just goes to show you don't need WWE to become a big star. He's entertaining, he's funny, he's comedy, but can be serious and motivated. It's really, really easy to book this guy. I also think it's very sensible of Gado to book him how they've done, knowing full well that there could potentially be another New Japan Exodus come January. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because then they've got people like Jay White. It's not going to happen, but I know what you mean. No, yeah. I, I know it's not going to happen, but <laughs> I like the fact they're teasing it as a storyline. Yeah. But it's also giving the opportunity for others to, to build up their profile at the same time. Absolutely. Um, but again, Gado booking, it's doing simple things, making stars bigger, but not skyrocketing them so they slowly build they go level after level and I think that's why Juice Robinson's growing on me as well because I wasn't a fan to yep. start with me neither Fitchett and Juice shake hands while Juice flips off Fitchett's partner and you're like what's going on here and they're basically they're telling this story whereby Davey Vega and Matt Fitchett are in a tag team but uh, what's her name Scarlet, Scarlet Bordeaux is with Vega. Davey Vega yeah. not with Fitchett at this point and so we have a, two guys that are in a tag team where one's essentially a heel and one's essentially a face with a valet who's a heel, but they're in the same tag team. <laughs> yeah, it looks like, I think the story going into it, again, it's the two guys fighting over one girl sort of thing. That's what it seemed to be. But then as it progresses, it's very much not that almost. Yeah. Like Fitchett doesn't want anything to do with Scarlet Bordeaux. He won't take her bullshit, you know? Yeah. It gets very, very surreal. Like, this is a clever little story. This is the first time really that I'm seeing something really different out of AAW, you know? Yeah. And again, for two guys I knew nothing about coming to the show. Yeah. This makes it easy and fun to follow so much, especially with Cabana and like Juice in the ring because they're really good at storytelling. Yeah. One of the first things that Cabana does in this match when he does his Superman pin, I absolutely adore that. It's mm. so simple, so good. And, and again, just his face was always looking for the hard cam, looking up when the pin's on, and looking always so slightly like, oh, I can't believe I didn't get a three. That's a professional right there. Yeah. Absolutely. Colt Cabana. Yeah. I know we've sort of spoken about him on previous pods and his, uh, how he may be hindered by punk. Do you think Cabana has any chance ever making it into NXT in, a, in like a um, Chris Hero sort of role. No, he doesn't need to anymore. Uh, he's got to the point where he's got a comfortable role with ROH. He's got the country gig. He's doing all these American indies and such at his own leisure. And he's also, I don't know if you know this, he's got a big hand in pro wrestling tees. Well, yeah, he, he's one of the founding members of it, wasn't he? Exactly. And so I think he's got money coming out of his ears at this point, to but be that, totally honest. But that's the thing, though. is it As much as any indie wrestler can. Yeah, know? but is it a case that he'd want to prove to himself that he could do it? Or I, do you think he just doesn't care anymore? I don't think he gives a shit. No. I think he's perfectly happy being this kind of traveling punk rock style kind of character. Like, do you listen to the pod, his pod? Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, he said a few times on that pod that he's like, you know, he's bought a car, for example. Uh, and so I think those are the signs of someone that's very comfortable and very successful at this point. And I don't think he needs the big boys anymore. No. Um, I said, I asked the question because a lot of people are always gone that he could have and should have made it. And as we said before, oh, I think he, if, should, he should have been. He yeah. should have been in Santino's role. Because he would have done it a million times better. Yeah, Coco. Yeah. Coco Beware. Like, he's 100% that character. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I think... He's <laughs> a white Scorpio, as he likes to put it on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> he's never be that, but yeah. But I think I think his time's passed. I think a lot of the internet fans want him to go there just because they think he wants to go there. 
I think he could do a fantastic role for WWE, and I think he could make some of their wrestlers a lot better. But I agree with you, the fact that I don't think Colt Cabana, who wants to be the guy who does it for himself, by himself, would ever go. Yeah. Uh, Ian Riccoboni, who does the commentary for ROH, and Colt Cabana, who now does commentary for ROH, I think are absolutely outstanding together. They work really well. They've got great chemistry, because I watched some of the ROH bits on Fight. Yeah. Uh, some of their sort of weekly shows. And Cabana, I've sometimes referred to him as Punk Light, because Punk's outstanding in the ring, Cabana's really good in the ring. Punk can tell great stories, Cabana can tell equally as good stories, but not serious. Punk is dynamite on commentary. Cabana is exceptional. Yeah, okay. But, oh, I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with the first bit, but I agree with the last bit you said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, let's get into this match. So I think this is a lovely change of pace considering all the crazy spot fests we've had so far. Nice bit of storytelling and nice bits of comedy, some serious stuff thrown in there as well. Actual wrestling. Yeah, yeah, good. And they, kind of, they verge on silly, but it never goes that far, which I think is very, very clever because yeah. it keeps the, the simulated fight feel going. Like This is the kind of thing where... I don't think Cornette would be so pissed off with this match. No, you know? it's more shenanigans and comedy. Yeah, yeah. That's always like a standard of like how pissed off would Cornette be with this? <laughs> like, at least publicly, maybe not privately, but you know. Yeah. Maybe maybe in for future shows we get like a Cornetta meter. Yeah. <laughs> I really like how when Cabana tags in, immediately him and Vega have heat when they kind of get tag into each yeah. other, which is nice to see Cabana with a bit of like, you know. A bit of fire under him, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally. Uh, Scarlet tries to cheat, but accidentally trips Vega's partner, Fitchip. Uh, the teasing tension between the two besties here, which I think is absolutely great. We get big airplane spins for everyone. Uh, Scarlet's in to save Vega. The besties are definitely not on the same page anymore halfway through this match. And they start. this starts to build as well. It doesn't yeah. just immediately happen. Like They're trying to get on, but they're not quite getting there. And they never come to blows. And they seem like they're still rarely okay. But it's like they've got Scarlet in between them causing this tension all the time. Yeah, you've got the understated boil coming, don't you? This is pretty unique. They've done really well. But it works. Like That's yeah. very difficult to do in pro wrestling now. A lot of people use the same stories over and over and over again. This is very smart. Um, hot tag to Cabana. He pulls out the lion salt, which I was like, yeah, he can still <laughs> do it. Uh, Juice does punches. Scarlet distracts the eight. Oh, I say punches, like the dusty kind yeah. of three punches and big thing. Uh, Scarlet distracts him by being, oh, <laughs> I don't know how to describe this. She's very ladylike. Oh my god, she's insane. <laughs> There's this amazing bit where Fitcher realizes what's happening as like Scarlet is distracted juice. Walks over and goes, Oi, you bitch, get down. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> Took it way too far. That was fucking great. And then we get a cabana and juice doing their kind of dusty elbow punch yeah. spots together, which I thought was really, really fun. Uh, Vega pulls his partner in front of him as he's about to get hit with the big elbow and like, oh, you bastard. They get boom juice, then go for the doomsday device, but Scarlet pulls juice off the ropes and crotches him on the top as Vega rolls up Cabana for the one, two, three, and your winners and still tag team champions, besties in the world, Davey Vega and Matt Fitcher. Really, really fun match. But then the fun continues afterwards. So Scarlet gets on the mic, starts cutting a promo, and then tells Fitchett to get out of here. Yeah, the line she says is absolutely hilarious. You guys are so lucky to have a girl that looks like me in this ring. Have you seen how women's wrestlers look nowadays? That's like, oh my <laughs> <Yeah>. fucking prick. <laughs> That's well funny. And then, um, as the bit that you haven't mentioned, this music hits. And I'm like, oh, I know this music. What is it? And you just hear, doom, 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 doom. I want to be the very best dude. Like, no one ever was. I'm like, it's Pokemon. No, do you know what yeah! I, I was going to say, this is why I haven't mentioned it. Because I assumed when I saw her ring go, I thought, oh, this is something to do with Pikachu. <laughs> Are you not a Pokemon guy, I imagine? <laughs> no, I'm 35. I, I didn't think you were. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be like that, you dick. 
So this is Smiley Kylie Ray. He went this to a huge pop from the crowd. And Scarlett cost this amazing line where she says, can we send this little virgin back to church, please? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, holy shit. Absolutely buried her. Amazing. So yeah, so Kylie Ray versus Scarlett Bordeaux is now in the works, uh, which is nice. I love this ECW impromptu match thing where yeah. just like t- someone's in the ring kind of promo, someone comes out to confront them and fuck it, let's have a match, you know. Send for the ref. And the commentators went for that and we're going, oh, and we've got a ref, so I guess we've got a match. Yeah. So I guess we do, chaps. I love it. I love this style of booking. I'd love to see this more like, it can get a bit played out, but when you haven't seen it for a while, like this is really, yeah. really fun. I love this style. My observational bits at the start of this, obviously we had dueling fan chants for both Scarlett and Kylie Ray. Absolutely. Well. Um, and this is where I noticed it was Pokemon. So, oh, Kylie Ray's got a Pikachu top on her ring gear. Yeah. I'm assuming that's over. Question mark. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And then we have Chance knocking off Lana from WWE where they do, Kylie is the best. Clap, clap. Kylie, Kylie number, number one. one. Clap, clap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Kylie starts to outsmart uh, Scarlett at the beginning of the match. Like Scarlett goes for a big elbow as Kylie rolls in the ring and she rolls back out. So she elbows nothing. Misses gets the air. Scarlett takes over and makes out with Vega at ringside. The lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> I'll take that over Ronda Rousey face-hugging. <laughs> Vega goes to choke Kylie and Fitchett stops him. So you've got two tag team partners here. One attacking the, fa- the heel guy, attacking the face woman in the ring. And then the face kind of tag team partner coming off and stopping his tag team partner. Uh, at this point, I kind of started thinking that both these women would fit beautifully into NXT. Kylie Ray reminded me a lot of Nixon Newell. Yeah, or like a, um, a Bailey almost. Yeah. Like, very positive, very happy, very smiley, ready to go. She looks a lot like Nixon. Yeah. Like, face D, I was like, oh, is that Nixon? Or like, no. Yeah, exactly. No. I thought at that stage, I thought, oh. Yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah, I think both these girls can work. They can talk. They've got good established characters. Like, especially Scarlet. She is a bastard heel. When she, she slept in that dragon sleeper as well, I thought, that looks really good. Absolutely. So, dragon sleeper by Scarlet looked absolutely brutal. Kylie does this amazing thing. Where from a dragon sleeper position, she starts to stand up with Scarlett on her back to her feet and then drop her into the corner like, holy shit. I've just written here, they lucha. (laughs) (laughs) They lucha. (laughs) There's lots of cool like flying lucha stuff here. Kylie locks in the crossface. Scarlett taps out, but Vega distracts the ref just as she's about to. Scarlett then goes on to hit the uh, moss-covered three-handled credenza. (laughs) Yeah, which is like a spinny neckbreaker, a weird thing that I don't know how to describe it. Well, the three-handled credenza is the name of the mood, but I think when Perry Saturn did it, it was called the moss-covered three-handled credenza. (laughs) I remember uh, Chris Jericho had it on his list. No, really. 2001 moves, <laughs> yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then we get a huge super kick by Kylie for the one, two, three, and your winner is Kylie Ray. Uh, so, you know, interesting. You said huge super kick. I wrote poor super kick. Poor super kick. Okay, I'm just probably emphasizing oh, okay. that it's the finish. <laughs> I'm oh, trying yeah. to put these girls over. Well, no, I put them over, but the super kick finish while Scarlet was on the floor was mm. it just looked a bit weak. I'm going to say I did have to rush watch this because I've been insanely oh, okay. busy this week. Yeah. So, I probably had my eyes on the other screen writing my notes as this <laughs> happened. So, it did look bad. Yeah, it's just a bit, considering the other moves they've been pulling out yeah. in this match, um, uh, poorly, quite slowly executed s- super kick? Okay. Super kick? Average kick to the head. Fair enough, um, yeah. Intense, it was a rivalry, they didn't slow anything down. Yep, great stories, said, great moves, characters, like, all just worked for me. His strong heel face dynamic, you know. And the crowd, as much as they were dueling at the beginning, did start to really cheer the face and not necessarily boo the heel, but, you know... They were definitely cheering the face more than they were cheering Scarlet. Yeah, definitely. So we get a backstage promo with the women's champion, Jessica Havoc, who's in the main event tonight. She puts over the main event with Kimber and Kimber's apparent heel turn in the last show. So uh, this is interesting because Kimberly is a lovable sort of human being I found in the past. Yeah, so 
the backstory to this seems to be that they're in a tag and then Kimberly turned round and sort of battered Havoc on the on the jealousy that she wants the AAW women's title. Simple storytelling, yep, can't complain. Makes sense. So then we'll jump into the uh, next match, which is Firefox of AR Fox and Myron Reed versus the Lucha Brothers of Penta El Cerro Miero and Ray Phoenix, or Pentagon Jr. as he should be known. Wow. Public warning, spots incoming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy I mean, shit, boy, this match. I'm not going to lie, as you said, we won the matches earlier. My notes for this is basically spots, <laughs> uh, but not in a bad way. Okay, do you want me to fly, fly through this? Like they did. Okay, yeah, very much. So I've written most of it down, but not like tons, okay? So uh, the first thing I'm immediately just marking out for like a child at Christmas is Firefox come out to the, come on and slim and welcome to the gym. Come on and slim. And I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. We've had a lot of singing on this week's show. Mate, the entrance music, I'm telling you, music and pro wrestling is so important. We need more of it. We need more licensed music. <laughs> I was going to say, we need more music in pro wrestling. Yeah, fuck yeah, we do. It's so important. It makes such a difference to me as well. Like, this is one of the reasons why I started loving ECW and stuff back in the day was Rob Van Dam coming out to walk, Sandman coming out to enter Sandman. These these are moments that I remember much more than the matches. What are you trying to say about TNA's version of Rob Van Dam's? Rob Van Dam! The whole <laughs> <effing> show! <laughs> you can understand why even WCW and stuff tried to do rip-off versions of like Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. It makes a character, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Like, And it's easy to relate to and you kind of it's just, it gives you moments of enjoyment, you know? Yeah, this is Team Firefox, right? Are you sure they don't want to upgrade to Team Chrome? <laughs> hey, geek references, yay! <laughs> so, Cero Miero. Do you know what it means? Zero M. <laughs> yeah, nearly. It's zero fear. Okay. So it's like you know that's why it goes up to people and does it right in their faces. Like I do not fear you. It's like really, really over with every crowd he's ever been a part of as well. Which must be difficult. He's Pentagon Junior. <laughs> he's the best. I love Pentagon. I will say Ray and Phoenix in this match started to really impress me recently. Yeah. I think he's starting to outshine his brother a little bit. Yeah, but he hasn't got the character down, has he? Mm, yeah. But he'll get there. He's certainly starting to get there. The development of his gear, like the new gear he's got at the moment, yeah. is hard, really, really cool. Mild controversial comment, because I know on. they're interested in signing both. Ray Phoenix would have a longer WWE career than Penta. Absolutely. He's younger. Uh, I think he's more agile and more inventive as well. Like yeah. Penta is fucking awesome. But half the stuff he does, I'm not sure he'd be, not necessarily allowed, but I'm not sure they'd be very happy about him doing yeah. in WWE. Ray Lots Phoenix has better merch. Oh, really? Which is a real shame, because I've been looking at some Penta merch, and none of it goes, Ooh. oh. I want a Penta mask. <laughs> I really want a Penta mask. Is there a good quality like latex one out there? If anyone would like to send us a good quality Penta mask... Mate. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you my address. I legitimately will if you'll send yeah. me Penta masks. Send us a DM, uh, or follow us on our Twitter page, which is World of Rest Pod. Uh, find us on our main website, which is worldofwrestlingpodcast.com, where you can find all of our back catalogue and our archive bits. That's fine, that's fine, that's enough now. <laughs> so, because we, now we've had a good run of people listening. We don't want to shill our shit anymore. We don't want to get too popular. We'll shill it in the end. It'll be fine, it'll be fine. I love it how Pentagon goes up to AR Fox at the beginning of the match and goes to do his Cero. And then AR blocks his hand as he goes yeah. to do it down. And AR Fox goes, fuck you. <laughs> like this, and you're like, oh, that was awesome. To immediate, you fucked up. You fucked up. Because you do not stop Pentagon doing his thing. Uh, Penta takes the glove off, then goes to do the Cerro Miero right in AR's face, and then uh, AR blocks it again, and Phoenix jumps in, a big back, big kick to the back of the head, and we're off we go, boys, <laughs> here we go, it's time for some spots. There's no changing gear here. <laughs> 
Absolutely. So immediately I've just written they do a shitload of lucha spots. It's incredible. AR Fox uh, is very Sabu-esque to me at times. Yeah. And that he's always on the verge of killing himself. Yeah. You know, it's just like he goes to this crazy stuff. But he seems like, like a whirling dervish, I think is how I've described a couple of wrestlers in the past. And he fits that description. Absolutely. You get the feeling with AR Fox that he is he knows what he's doing, but he's not controlled. Yeah, very much. And he's willing to do anything. Yeah. Like I feel like if you went to go, what I want to do, right, is I want to get a big plane of glass, I want to put it vertical and then drop you onto it head first. He'd be like, Yeah, right, that sounds like fun. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, he wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> Which is very, very uh endearing again. Um so we get reversals, dives, topes. This is just absolute madness at this point. Penta and Phoenix open hand chop the shit out of AR Fox's chest. They constantly put him against the ropes and get the crowd quiet and just whack him as hard as they can. This is not your daddy's shops anymore. This is just open hand palm strikes to the chest. Like, yeah. let's just hit him as hard as we fucking can at yeah. this point. Can we light him up? Yeah. yeah. This is not working. This is hitting people very fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> what about the, they go for the Dudley's what's up stomp yeah. onto AR Fox, but instead of doing the headbutt to the crotch, Penta jumps off and just literally boots him in the <laughs> yeah. bollocks as hard as he can. You're like, oh, you <laughs> poor bastard. I mean, what is Rochambeau in Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> From the top row? Yeah. Fucking hell. Uh, we get a medium rare hot tag to Myron Reed, which gives a swanton to the standing Lucha Bros. Uh, Phoenix dives into the audience for an AAW chant. Like, he literally dives all the way through right into the crowd, which is fucking awesome. We get swantons by Reed and Fox. Spot, spot, spots. Dives, dives, dives. It's just constant. And we start to get in, like, to the big finishy bits. So the stuff Ray Phoenix is pulling out on this match is incredible. He's so inventive. He does stuff like he'll dive off the top, miss the spot, the guy will come out of the room, will springboard off the next person, then jump onto that, and then flow them off and hit him with a pile driver. It's like, oh, fucking hell, mate. How do they plan matches like this? How do you come up with it in the first place? Yeah. Like some of the things he's doing, I'm like, I, I never imagined you could do these things. The creativity, but also the execution. And the, mainly the person who he's wrestling with to be yeah. able to go... Because I think we've said this in the past. I don't know if it's a case of here's how, what we're going to do and we must follow this bit by bit. Because if they're just calling it while they're out there, they must know each other. Because um, Phoenix and was it AR Fox? AR Fox were tag champs yeah. before. So they must know some of their movesets to be able to pull some of this stuff off. But can you imagine if Phoenix is working someone who he doesn't know? I'm going to do the blah. Another person <laughs> want to say face and go, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, <laughs> like Phoenix will jump at him and be like, uh, front bump. <laughs> I will say I've seen Phoenix and Penta in matches where they started to lose track of what was happening and it's kind of fallen apart. Just, <laughs> I'm just going to drop you on ahead a few times and then we'll do the pinfall. But thank God this match doesn't get to that point. We get a knuckle lock between Phoenix and Reed. Well, then gets immediately reversed into a destroyer by Reed. And you're like, fuck it out. Uh, I love how he doesn't kick out of the destroyer. The pinfall gets broken up after yep. the destroyer. Which Correct I'm way fine. to do it. Absolutely, yeah. Kicking out of like any sort of destroyer, just just don't. Yeah, just break up the pin. Which we'll get to in a second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Penta driver to Reed. Uh, AR breaks up the pinfall. Uh, this massive package power driver on the apron as well. Like, oh, just the hardest part of the ring. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Yoshi Tonic by AR to Penta. Assisted one-man Spanish fly off the top by Phoenix. Because it's an indie show, so we've got to have a Spanish fly. Exactly. Then they do the Marx Brothers kind of mirror spot yeah, where they're yeah, all really doing good. stuff at the same time to each other. Like, they pair off. Like, absolutely love this shit. That was fucking awesome. Stereo 450s by Firefox to the Lucha Bros, and they both kick out at the same time, which is kind of cool. Um, Avalanche Destroyers. So, second rope. They both go up. The, the Lucha Bros both flip power driver, both AR Fox and Reed off of the second rope 
oh my god and both guys kick out and i'm like nah that is your finish do not kick out of an avalanche flip pile driver please ever Especially two dudes kicking out at the same time. Yeah, sort of t- ruined it a little bit. Because again, he said, had that been the finish, explosion in, exactly. the, in the crowd, that would have been amazing. I mean, little mistake. This is where the Fear Factor package power driver comes from Pentagon. Uh, again, on the hardest part of the ring. <laughs> That's what I've heard. They <laughs> <laughs> get a seated springboard, one man Spanish fly by AR Fox to go for his finish, but he doesn't quite get it. Then we get the spinny package pile driver thing by Phoenix for the one, two, three. Yeah. So he's got him upside down, the wrong way around, above his shoulder. He spins him out, and he catches him into the package pile driver and drops him down. I called that spinning muscle buster in my notes, because that's what it most looked like. But But like his head goes straight down by his crotch almost, you know? Like, oh, Jesus. The margin for error in that move is ridiculous. Yeah, (laughs) this was murder at this point. But what a spot fest. Holy shit. I've never seen anything like this. This is as spotty as anything I've ever seen. What was really nice as well during this is because there was so much going on, I didn't notice any commentary. No, I completely blanked it out. Which is brilliant. I didn't know anything down about it at any point. It was just constant spots after spots after spots. Everything's complicated and thought out and interesting and inventive. It's never just like, oh, let's just stand there and punch each other. You know, They're going for wrestling moves the whole time, uh, which is astonishing to me. And the fact they went for almost 20 minutes and they're just full throttle for the whole thing yeah i thought one of the best tag matches i've seen in a very long time without a story absolutely yeah there's some story with the previous tagging yeah. and stuff but there's no real heel face dynamic at all no this is just a case of we are going to ruin our main event <laughs> yeah how, that's literally what i've written how does anything follow this match yeah <laughs> i'm sorry but i mean i appreciate they want to showcase things but it put the ladies in the main event in a very difficult position so then we're into our main event of the evening the aaw women's championship match between our champion jessica havoc and kimberly again uh how they're meant to follow what just happened in the previous match i will never know like i respect that they're putting the championship matches the finale the main event well i think the reason why this obviously we'll get to the finish of the match through how they ended the pay-per-view why ray and um, penta didn't headline it Oh, okay, with them. Yeah, okay, we'll get there. <laughs> so a dude shouts, I love your jacket to Kimber as soon as she comes out. She's got like a denim jacket with yeah. sparkly sleeves. I was like, oh, I, I like her jacket as well. I thought that was fucking awesome when she came out. Uh, Jessica ha- Havoc has a face mark, just like Jimmy Havoc. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> keeping the gimmick alive, I love it. Uh, both women are immediately face-to-face, standing off each other, trying to get the crowd into the match, trying to create some heat. But you've got to think, they've gone through, what, two and a bit hours now of just like constant spot fest with one comedy match kind of in the middle that wasn't really a comedy match. Yeah, they, they tried to, they bookended their pay-per-view essentially with high-flying opener, high-flying pre-main event. Yeah. You yeah. had your um, Eddie Kingston and uh, Fred Yehi. Yeah. Uh, as a, as a slowdown match to warm it down, but this was probably the slowdown before the end of the pay per view. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, I can see Wh- that. Which is no disrespect to the match itself because it was an interesting match. It was a it, good match. It's not terrible by any means. Yeah. yeah, not the best women's match I've seen this year. No, no. So we get a sliff, um, we get stiff slaps and strikes to start with. Havoc's doing all she can to get the crowd into it. Every opportunity, she's trying to like talk to the crowd, chuck her hands in the air, you know, like, do all the things that a face should do. Yeah. Which I appreciate, but the crowd are kind of, they're not sandbagging her completely, but they're not, they're exhausted, I think. No, and... Hot, I, hot night in May in Chicago. Yeah, and I think as well that she was expecting maybe a bit more of a reaction as she's their first ever AAW Women's Champion. They're, she's their champion. They're really into her. So the fact that that reaction was a little bit 
subdued probably didn't help the match much either here. Yeah, and she's main eventing. Yeah. So yeah, it's a big deal, you know. Uh, we get lots of walk and brawl into, into and through the audience. Uh, Kimba does a topecon helo off of the stage, which is off to the right, which is pretty cool. Uh, we get a Necro Butcher star sitting on the chairs opposite each other, throwing forearm spot that only lasts like four or five forearms, but it's quite good. Yeah. You can see what they're going for. Uh, eventually back into the ring, get strike heavy. Uh, I think the crowd are being quite generous at this point and that they're crying a chant and cheer for each girl, even though there's, there's not a great deal of interest happening. No, it's really. The, it's the respect they want. They want to show the athletes that they, they want they want to get behind the match. Yeah, totally. I, I'm, I'm fine with it. It's just it doesn't quite compare to what we've seen earlier in the night. No. Even with the women's match earlier in the night, I thought that other match, the short one, six one with um, Scarlett Bordeaux and uh, Kylie Ray, Ray was yeah. a bit better than this. I'd say so. I agree, yeah. So we get face washes in the corner by Havoc, very Samoa Joe style, and then Kimba goes for her tarantula Koji clutch on the ropes, which is fucking awesome. I love awesome. that move. Yeah. Especially when there's no DQ as well. Yeah. But the guy counts to five, and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> there's no DQ. Stop <laughs> it. Kimba was fantastic when she was in the May Young Classic. Oh, yeah. And Did it, you ever watch her in Shikara? No. But she, she was their main champion, wasn't she? She was their grand champ yeah. for a long time, and she was excellent. She had a really good run. Uh, really princess? Princess yeah, Princess Kimberly. Kimberly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Swanton by Kimber. Uh, Havoc kicks out a one, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> okay, here we go." Uh, yes, kicks. I guess we refer to these as now, where someone's kneeling and someone's kicking yeah. in the chest. Ah, that's all right. We can fight with the yes kicks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. By Kimber, they both primal scream at each other. Air raid crash by Havoc, and Kimber rolls to the outside. You're like, "Oh, where's she going? This is this should have been a close fall, surely." Oh. So the camera just about catches Kimber grabbing knuckle dusters from under the ring. You're like, oh, you sneaky bastard. What are you doing? And this was all set up by that promo earlier where they're talking that she turned heel on the last match. You're like, "Mm." last show, sorry. So yeah, it was really, really good. Back in the ring, Kimber shoves the ref into Havoc as she gets into the ring. Takes an absolute turn to get the referee off her. Yeah, absolutely. As the ref turns around, Kimber puts on the knuckle dusters in the air, showing the whole audience that she's putting them on. You're like, go on, girl, you know how to work. Really, really good. Pumps her fist, throws the knuckle dusters at Havoc with a massive punch for the one, two, three. And your new AAW Women's Champion, Kimberly. William Regal. <laughs> <laughs> this is very much the Regal yeah. spot, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Kimberly wins the belt. Uh, Kimberly does this absolutely brilliant bit that after she rolls out the ring with the belt, she kisses her hand like she's got the best punch in the world. <laughs> yeah. They're like, ah, oh, oh, that's fucking classic. Like real heel maneuver, like throwing that out as she rolls to the back. So, before we get into the shenanigans after this, what do you think of this match? Uh, again, I think on a different card, would have probably I would have enjoyed it maybe a little bit more. But for me, and that's not saying it's a bad thing, it's the weakest match of this whole card. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, um, Which is a shame because, again, through what I've seen of Abby Lath and Kimberly, she's a fantastic worker Yeah, who I think should have been signed to WWE. I think so too. Um, this is my first time seeing Jessica Havoc. Yes, I've heard um, a lot about her. Yeah, I feel maybe we should give her another opportunity. Oh, definitely. I think there's a lot of potential in her and her character. Yeah, I just don't think it worked for this match so well. And also, you know, she's Jimmy's wife, so it's all right. (laughs) I think it's difficult to boo Kimberly. Yeah, because after seeing a face run, and she's always been face to me. Yeah. The the, the princess character, the... mm, Yeah, it's difficult to explain. I like the fact that she's playing up with the Nucks, and that's her now go-to thing, and that's the devious heel tactic, but I can't see how long it will last. So if you boil down pro wrestling to a secondary school locker room sort of scenario, right? You could have like the vulnerable kids and then the bullies 
and then the kids that would stand up for the vulnerable kids against the bullies. That person stands up. That's Kimberly. Yeah. Seems like a really, really good human being. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that would be a struggle to turn her heel ever. Yeah, the the way I look at this situation using wrestling analogies, which everyone will understand, is when Austin turned heel against Rock at WrestleMania 17. Yeah. So it's all fair and good saying, I've got to go for these auspicious means to win the belt. And she's absolutely brilliant at doing all the heel things. Yeah, but it just doesn't she, work. Yeah, it's just I just Not can't get beyond who she is. Had it flipped over, had Jessica Havoc been the heel, because obviously the dominating wrestler against the, as you said, the I'll stand up to you and I'll fight for the good fight. Yeah then I think I might have been a bit more interested, I think, had the roles been reversed. It seems like the logical way to go. Yeah, definitely. However. However, indeed. Wowzers. Brody King, out of nowhere, runs from the back, jumps in the ring, and boots Havoc in the face as hard as he fucking can. And immediately, Sammy Callahan jumps out. So Sammy Callahan and the Chris are in the same stable as Jessica Havoc at this point. So Callahan runs out and goes after Brody King and the whole locker room just to drag them apart and we get the big brawl between them and everything. Uh, it's a cool moment as a mass brawl starts to break out between everyone in the locker room as they kind of flood to the outside. Callahan power bombs Darby Allen of all people yeah. <laughs> just out of nowhere. It's like, it's his debut here. Leave him alone. Onto everyone at ringside and he's just like, thank God they caught him. And just before that power bomb. Sarah Shouty endeared herself again, saying, Is someone going to die tonight? Oh, Question mark. God's sake. <laughs> well, no, they're not, because murder, just like Murder Clown, they're all there to catch you. And they're like, Hey, Murder Clown reference. Do you hey. reckon if we start getting our merch, we'll have like a Murder Clown will catch you t shirt? <laughs> I want to meet the dude and shake his hand. I want a Murder Clown mask. I'll tell you That's what, what I want. <laughs> what I'll do is I'll choke slam you off something high and see if Murder Clown catches you. <laughs> We got the Eiffel Tower or something to chuck me off. Be like, is he there? Is he there? Oh, he didn't turn up. Fuck. If he's not, I have no idea what to do with this podcast. I can't upload it to SoundCloud. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and obviously I'd miss you. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, (laughs) fuck you. (laughs) I thought that's it. But then they cut to Sammy Callahan and Brody King up on the balcony of the venue, brawling with each other as we fade to black. You're like, okay, yeah, really cool. Really like it. Really, really good. Uh, then weirdly, we get a backstage promo oh. with Sarah Shockley tells Kylie Ray that she has a title shot for the women's belt. Then we get another backstage promo with the Lucha Bros where they put themselves over and say they want a tag title shot. These two felt unnecessary. Yeah. The main one at the end, when Kimberly, after these two pointless uh, promos, yeah. says that um, she hears she's got a title match against Kylie Ray, but suggests she's lacking in a certain area as she shows off her knuckle dusters and then turns her back to leave as we then end the show. Again, doing all the right things. I just can't hate you. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like, oh, she's going to knock her teeth out. Yeah, absolutely. Take that, Pikachu. So, I mean, not the best main event. I like the booking at the end, creating the brawl, creating tension, continuing storylines. Yep. Absolutely works for me. No problem at all with this. Um, uh, generally, I really, really enjoyed this show. Yeah, it's it's very difficult, as you said, from a podcast where we quite like to mock things and ridicule things because we want to do something different. Obviously, we've got access to this Demand Progress app. We want to look at different promotions which we've never seen before. And I said That's exactly this, why we did this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it turns out that this was actually a banging show. Obviously, there's a lot of content that we can get through. Obviously, you are a massive New Japan fan. I still, you know, I am a WWE guy. I've obviously got a lot of stuff with SCPW coming up over the next couple of weeks as well. So my wrestling watching will probably be what we're doing for the podcast but i'd certainly watch another aaw show absolutely um yeah i'll I'll catch whatever comes up on demand progress um yeah 
I really enjoyed it. I can't say anything really bad about it. I think the venue was absolutely gorgeous. The commentary ruined the show. That's the only thing we had to mock about it, and we kind of blew our load really early on that. So I've got yeah. nothing more to say about it, to be totally honest. But, but, also, you know, but if it is... Uh, what's the guy's name? I keep forgetting it. Tyler Volts. Tyler, if it's Tyler Volts and Marty DeRosa, I could happily watch this every week. Yeah. I haven't braved watching what the next show would be yet, except for due to time constraints, but if Marty DeRosa is back, it would be really interesting to see how that would affect the dynamic and how my feel is towards the show. Let's see what their biggest show of the year is, and we'll maybe do that one. Yeah, definitely. Like their WrestleMania equivalent or whatever if they have one, you know. So, conflict rating. Now, this is a difficult one for me because not a great deal of story. Um, a lot of amazing inventive wrestling, like that tag match with the Lucha Bros and Shane Strickland and... Not Shane Strickland. With AR Fox and Reed and the Lucha Bros, I thought was absolutely incredible. I enjoyed a lot of the six-man stuff. I enjoyed the strong style stuff with Eddie. I really enjoyed the opener. Like, that was crazy inventive spot fest. But I like a bit more tension, a bit more slow build, and a bit more... I think if you had this in front of any other crowd, then maybe they wouldn't be so into it, you know? They'd be burnt out and just be like, oh, it's another spot. Excellent. Great. You know, especially a British crowd. Yeah. I was I was done by the end of this show. I think, yeah. about, I think by the interval, I'd seen everything I wanted to see. Obviously, we then get the, uh, the Penta and Phoenix tag match, which is always going to be good. I don't recall, as you said, even if they have... Miss miss spots in their matches. It's always fun to watch. Yeah, but I think it was a lot of the same style. It was why the Cabana matches and the Eddie Kingston match really stood out for me on this card because it was something different. Yeah, but they had those matches. Yeah, it wasn't just spot fest. You know, no, they had the little breaks there and here and there, but which was still good and interesting. They didn't get boring at any point, you know. Um, so I think for me, this is a solid four. Yeah, which I think is generous considering how annoying the commentary was. For me, it's a three because of the commentary. Okay. Um, if I'd watched it on mute, I think I would have given it a four. I was going to say, if you're going to watch this show back... No, no, watch it for the commentary and then go and watch it with Mike DeRosa and see if it's any better. Uh, I was going to say, specifically, if you're going to watch this show back, just put on your favourite band and just watch the spots and enjoy it. Yeah. And just, just remember that the crowd are constantly shouting. Like, okay. they're really, really into this show. Don't listen to the commentary. No. It, it'll make your ears bleed. <laughs> So, to finish off today, are you ready to play a game of Higher or Lower? You bet I am. Play the music! You will be playing this week's game of Higher and Lower, which is going to be ECW title reigns, including Ooh. Eastern Championship Wrestling and WWECW. Oh, fucking hell. Okay, so all of them. So, uh, how many title reigns, not many days as champion? Yeah, so basically, uh, there are have ever been 32 holders of the ECW belt. I'm saying there's not a lot, belt. is there? Yeah. No. So I have got a random number generator already built into my spreadsheet today. Cheers, Google Sheets, allowing me to have this number generator. Well played. So we're going to start with, uh, and we're going to roll it in. Go through the points. How does this work? Okay, so we are going to go through, do you want to do five or ten? Should we see how many I can get? Yeah, okay, we'll see how far you go. <laughs> okay. Because if not, that's going to... Because this game could be very quick. Okay, let's see if I can get to five. Okay, got to get a run of five. So, do you want me to tell you the number? Just give you a rough idea where they are in the list? I think you, I think you need to give the me the first number. one. Yeah. So, number 22, Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> okay. Fuck me. Chavo Guerrero held the ECW for 68 days. So, we are doing days as champion. Days as champion. Okay, excellent. All right, yeah, days as okay. champion. Okay. So, random number generator, you have given me... Okay, it has then taken me to Rob Van Dam. Or higher. 
Really? Rob Van Dam has only held the ECW title for 21 days. He held the TV title for obviously two years. No, no, I thought he... Oh, fuck, yeah. I thought he held that belt in WWE ECW for like a year. He held it for 21 days before he got done for drugs. Oh, yeah, fuck, okay. Because he won the WWE title, then it turned to... No, no, I remember yeah. everything happening. Yeah, I thought I lost a lot longer because I remember him walking to the belt every week and spinning the spinner and yeah. just being like, this is crazy. <laughs> All right, let's start again. Go on. Okay, so random number generator. You've given me number 15 of Rhino with 94 days. Okay. Okay, so... It's really annoying, right in the middle of everything. <laughs> yeah. So we then go random number generator and it has given me Jimmy Snooker. Jimmy Snooker? That's got to be lower. It is lower. Excellent okay. work. Jimmy One. Snooker has held it for 79 days. Okay. Okay. Random number generator. Just incredible. So 79 days a month. It's got to be higher. Correct. Just incredible's held it for 162 days. I remember him holding it for quite a long time. Yep. Yeah. So Just Incredible's held it for 162 days. So that's two in a row. Random number generator has given you Christian. Oh. Uh, so it would be WWE CW, and he wasn't there for long, so it's got to be lower. Wrong. 247 oh, days. Ah, fuck's sake. Okay, right. <laughs> Again, okay. one more try. One more try. One more try. How long? I don't remember him ever holding that belt for a long time. Man, I didn't really pay attention to WWE <laughs> CW. <laughs> okay, so we are starting with... Taz at number four. Okay. With 261 days. I say had a long reign, didn't he? Yeah, it was like a year. Random number generator has given me... The Sandman. <laughs> okay. That's tricky. Hmm. I wish I knew ECW better. It's been a long time. It's, I'm going to go lower. It's actually higher. Fuck's sake. 446 <laughs> days in total, the Sandman's held it over um, five reigns. I knew he held it a long time and he held it often as well because they got to the point where people would leave and they were like, just put the belt on Sandman. <laughs> It'll be yeah. all right. So here's some stats for you just from the ECW title. Should so we, we do go. one more because I've not got more past two at this point? Okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll go one more. So we've started on number 24, okay. Tommy Dreamer, 49 yep. days. Yeah, because he barely held the belt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then we've rolled the rolled the app, and we go to Johnny Nitro, John Morrison. Uh, higher. Higher than Tommy Dreamer? Yeah. Correct. 69 days for Johnny Nitro, Johnny Morrison. Yep. Okay. We've rolled the dice again, and we've got Vince McMahon. Uh, lower. Correct. Vince McMahon held it for 35 days. I, say, I remember he held it for like a while, but it wasn't that long. It wasn't like two months. Yeah. Number generator is giving you Mikey Whipwreck. Higher or lower than Vince McMahon? It's 60 odd days. It's got to be higher. Vince McMahon had 35 days. Mikey Whipwreck had 42 days. Okay, just about. Because <laughs> it wasn't long. Okay. I remember. <laughs> Random number. I've got three. I made it to three. Come on. We can do it. <laughs> Random number generator has given you Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn from Mikey Whitbreak. How many days was Mikey? Mikey Whitbreak was 42 days. Oh, I'm going to go lower. You're right. Yep. Yeah. 35 days for Jerry Lynn. Okay. God, these are difficult. Like 10 days of hard. <laughs> <I know. laughs> like, until you get to the top ones, they, they were already close. That's why I picked it. I don't remember Jerry holding the belt, if I'm honest. Okay. That sounds brutal, but like, yeah. <laughs> One Mas more. One more. Come on, I can do it. Masato Tanaka. So Jerry Lynn had 35 days. 
It's got to be higher. It's lower here. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> he only held it for six days. I don't remember the run at all. Okay, so the top Fuck. the top five reigns yeah. uh, will start number five and go backwards. So number five was Christian with 247 days. Fourth was Taz with 261 days. Third was Raven with 379. Second was the Sandman with 446. I want to hazard a guess at who's number one. Number one ECW champion. He held it over four reigns for 874 days. Bam, bam. Shane Douglas. Oh, of course. Yeah, he was regularly the champ, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. I thought it maybe Bam Bam had a really long run when he first came in, because I remember the few with Taz, but he never. it was never for the belt, was it? No, Bam Bam held the belt for 45 days. Oh, fair enough. Cool. Well, that was good fun. <laughs> yeah, when I looked at it, I thought, wow, there are some names on here, but the title reigns are tiny. Until you get to the to the WWE CW guys, they used to jump the belt pretty quick. It's a good thing you, you picked a really difficult yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't land on Ezekiel Jackson. I don't even know how long. L- last ever ECW show beat Christian and held it for like an hour. Oh, okay, fair yeah. enough. There we go. Uh, it's been a pleasure, man. This was a good show. I definitely watched the AEW again as we talked about. Um, this week we're going to be planning for, and at the weekend we're going to be recording for a very, very special podcast that we'll be releasing on New Year's Eve, which is in time for Wrestle Kingdom for New Japan. Which... <laughs> is New Year's Eve on a Sunday? Uh, Actually, no, I think it is. What is it this year? I don't even know. Why not? We'll release it around the Sunday before New Year's Eve. Let's put it that way. Um, every, well, at least once or twice a year, we're going to try and do this and make it a regular thing. We're gonna, are we going to announce the name now? I think we should. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to give you, once or twice a year, the Super Quiz Cup. It's going to be awesome. Basically, all the terrible games that we play at the end of the pod, we have got a lineup of secret special guests from the wrestling industry. It's not announced who yet. No. Just but- in case they bail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But people who are actually involved in the world of professional wrestling, independent professional wrestling here in the UK, are going to come and join us. I am a team captain for one of these, so I haven't been involved. Oh, are you now? <laughs> I didn't know that. I am. I am involved. <laughs> you are going to be the quiz master. I am going to be a team captain of one of these. And so um, I'm putting all these games together. So if they're crap, you can blame me. But I can unveil now. We're going to be playing all the stuff we talked about. And we are going to start by playing R-Truth 3 <laughs> Kid, which is going to be awesome. Because we've got six people who have all been in the professional wrestling industry who better have some funny fucking stories. I believe Tell we're going that. to be getting rowdy. Exactly. Get that? Get that? Yeah. Hey. K quick. Yay. Oh, amazing. So, uh, yeah, we're going to play all the games we probably had on the end of the pod, but it should be a lot of laughs, man. I'm really looking forward to doing it. But again, we're not going to release it for a while, so keep your ears out for it. Okay. Uh, when can people find you on the social medias? You can find me as Rich Be Thy Name uh, on Instagram and Twitter. I don't really use my Instagram so much anymore. I should probably use it more often. I'll post some photos to it this week. So follow me on there to see whatever I post. It'll probably be pictures of my penis. <laughs> I'm, taking the I'm following. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I post on Twitter quite a lot and stuff. So if you want to come chat to us there, if you've got any ideas you want to send us, please send us on Twitter. It's probably the best place to find us. Yeah, definitely. Or Facebook. Go on, what's yours? Uh, I am at the Tex Williams on Twitter and Instagram. Also, keep an eye on the SEPW YouTube channel because we're doing our first set of weekly tapings this Sunday. So uh, keep an eye out on that. We've got some great matches coming up for you. Um, so keep them peeled. Uh, you can also follow the whole podcast on World of Rest Pod on Twitter, um, World of Wrestling Podcast on Facebook, and find our entire archive and everything you need and all the links on worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. Yep, Stitcher, iTunes, any podcast app you've ever wanted to use, SoundCloud, it's all there on worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. 
Or if you can't be bothered, type all that in. Just Google World of Wrestling and you'll find us. We're now up there on Google, which I'm really chuffed about. So yeah, yeah, we do all right. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate you. We love you all. Goodbye.